0: Amen. I'm glad that you're here this morning. And uh, what a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord. um, Just to worship Him, uh, the one who paid our debt. And uh, I'm so thankful I'm not going to get what I deserve. I want you to understand something. I love Jesus with all my heart. I love Jesus more than anything. I love Jesus for what He has done for me. Because he saved me, he rescued me, he paid my debt that I couldn't pay, and I will forever be grateful for that. You know, as as we come to this uh, time today, I, I want to uh, be in Matthew. Excuse me, Second Timothy uh, chapter two, and if you want to open your scripture up to that chapter two, and. What I want to show you today is something that I want to say is very important. It's very important for the kingdom. It's very important for us as disciples and disciple makers. And and I really want to share with you the purpose of of discipleship. You know, Pastor John MacArthur, he he tells about a state invitational track meet uh, that he was involved with during his college years. And um, he was running, uh, he represented his team as the second man on the mile relay. And he said, as they got started, uh, the first guy he ran a, a fast leg and and uh, handed the the baton off to John, and and he ran a, a very good leg. And their best runner was coming up in the third leg of the the, of the four legs, and and so he handed the baton off to the third guy, and and uh, he he began booking around the track, you know, and there he goes, and and all of a sudden he just stopped. He just stopped, and he. He walked over and, and into the middle area of the of the track and, and uh, sat down in the infield. And at first, everybody else on the team thought, "Well, man, he must have pulled a hamstring or something, or twisted his ankle, or there there must be a, a reason why this happened." And, and Mike, uh, or excuse me, John MacArthur ran over there and he he said, uh, "Hey, w- w- what's going on?" He said, "Well, I don't know. I just didn't feel like running anymore." Now, understandably, his teammates, his coach, and everyone involved there were were quite upset. And it's like, well, how could you do that? Don't you know you're not just representing yourself, but you're representing the team, you're representing your university, you're representing all that the coach has poured into you all these past months? How could you do that in one brief, selfish moment? How could you destroy all that? John MacArthur continues and he says, on an infinitely more important level, countless leaders in the church have simply dropped out of the Lord's service with no better reason than the apathy of a collegiate runner. Folks, the work that we are involved with, is very, very important. The things that we do, the way we live, the gospel that we proclaim is very, very important. I want to encourage you today, but I also want to challenge you today. To be a fruitful Christian, to be a fruitful Christian You must entrust the truth to others who will entrust it to others also. Before we examine our scripture this morning, let me point out that it is applicable on several levels. Um, The primary application is to pastors and to other church leaders. And our task is to hand off the truth. To hand off the truth of the gospel to other faithful people who will then be able to teach others also. But the text applies to every Christian in every relationship with other believers. Husbands and wives, they should share with each other the spiritual truth that God has given them. If you're a parent... Parents are responsible to entrust the truth to their children. It's not the church's job. It's not the school's job. It's not even the the prison system's job. It's your job to entrust the truth to your children. Now we can help, and hopefully we're coming alongside you and helping you do that. But it is your job as a parent to do that. See, all of us who know Christ are responsible to share the gospel with those who are lost so that they may also be saved. According to 2 Timothy, I want to say chapter 1, verse 5, Timothy himself was discipled by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. And understand this, that it's a privilege to receive the Christian faith. Someone told you about Jesus. It's a privilege that we have to receive the Christian faith. But it's also a duty to pass it on to someone else. See, every Christian needs to look at themselves as a link between one generation and another. We need to be holding on to both generations we need to be that link in between that holds it together, that is able to pass the baton. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Loving Father, I thank You for this time. I thank You for Your Word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that even in this moment that You would show us the truth, that You would guide us and convict us Holy Spirit, I ask that in this moment, you would lead us and guide us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, plain and simply, as believers, we are to teach others. From the beginning of this year, all of these, this sermon series has been about discipleship. It's been about sharing what you have with others. It's been about teaching others what it means to follow the Lord. And I I think this is huge because verse 2 is one of the best verses in all of the Bible on discipleship. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. And in the process, there's kind of this multiplying effect. It's kind of like your family tree. And I had a woman tell me recently, she said, I have four children, I have 15 grandchildren, and I have 32 great-grandchildren. I mean, isn't that the way it goes? We multiply? I I love that. I just want to share something real quickly with you. Um, Some of you know Rogers and Rachel. Rachel. Rogers and Rachel are are missionaries and and they're in Kenya. And uh, earlier, uh, well last year, at the end of the year, we we took enough money over there so they could um, drill two more water wells, which is going very nicely. They're working on those. Um, Sometimes there's difficulty when you come up against solid rock, but they're working there. When Rogers and Rachel attended here and they lived here, um, I was teaching a master life class. And in that Master Life class, there was quite a few of y'all in there and, and they were in there. And, you know, one of the things I said at the very beginning of the class was my desire in this is for you to take this and teach it to someone else. If you want to have a Master Life class in your home, then please do that. They were some of the first people that went through Master Life with me here at Memorial It wasn't very long after that they left and went to Kenya and they've been working and serving over there and when they landed in Kenya the first thing they began to do was teach discipleship. And so it wasn't very long I received this card. It's a huge card. I don't know what the postage on was on this card, but it was it was more than normal. But um, it says, thank you very much. And it says, Ridge and Tracy, you have gone out of your way to show kindness that truly shows how wonderful you are. Thank you very much. And this was a personal note that was written from the Revival Baptist Church in Mombasa, Kenya. It says, the RBC, the Revival Baptist Church Mombasa Master Life Theology students, appreciate Rogers and Rachel whom you well-trained and have nourished us spiritually here at RBC, Mombasa, Kenya. And they all signed the card. They all signed the card. Matter of fact, they put their dates and the phone numbers and, and, and their signatures all here in the back. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are my spiritual grandchildren. Not my physical grandchildren, my spiritual grandchildren. I haven't even met my great grandchildren yet. See, I take very seriously when Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. (laughs) I have grandchildren in Kenya. I mean, ain't that going to be something when we meet him? And we're there for all eternity and we have spiritual grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Because you cared enough to share and to pass the baton to someone else, I became a believer and now I've passed it on to someone else. I mean, what a huge blessing that is. You know, when we think about all of that. See, we're links in the chain. We're the spiritual connection between generations past and future we're ambassadors for Christ. And I believe there is someone somewhere whom you can influence for Christ in a way that will influence more generations down the road. It's just, it doesn't just end with you. It doesn't just end with me. See, we must be strong. And we must be willing to teach others. So what are the things that Timothy heard from Paul? I mean... I would put forth that he's not talking about last-minute advice and he's not talking maybe about a sermon that that Paul preached. He's talking about the true gospel. Hear me now. Lots of people are proclaiming a false gospel. Paul is talking about being faithful to those things that are true, the true gospel gospel. See, I I believe that he's talking about the true gospel that was preached by the apostles. The fact that Jesus came and he lived a sinless life. That he was crucified. That he was buried and he, he rose again on the third day. So that he could pay the price for your sin and mine. I believe that that is what he's talking about. I love that. Because we see the prerequisite for discipleship. We also see the process of discipleship. And we see the the product of the discipleship in this verse. The prerequisite is, is what I would call a past event. The things that you have heard, past tense, from me among many witnesses. Listen, in order to pass something on, you have to possess it. You cannot give what you do not have. If you've never come to a place of realizing your need for Jesus Christ, the best thing I can tell you is you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because you cannot pass on what you do not have. You must possess it first. This prerequisite is a past event. It means we're already saved. We have already given our heart to Jesus. Timothy was to pass on the things which Paul had poured into him. These things are equivalent, the approximate equivalent. If you look at verse 13, he says, Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Don't water it down. Retain the standard. Keep it pure. The words that you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And he says in verse 14, he says, Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. Maintain the standard and guard the treasure that's been entrusted to you. And I I think both of those, the significant point is preparation always precedes presentation. I want you to know something. I don't ever want to get up to preach a sermon out of God's holy word without preparing it ahead of time. You don't want me to get up and try to preach out of God's word without preparation. You see, that's the thing. We want to proclaim, we want to proclaim who Jesus is, but in order to do that, we have to be prepared. See, most of the time we don't share because we're not prepared to share. There's a prerequisite there. See, every person that God has significantly used has undergone an intense spiritual preparation. Think about Moses. He spent time on the backside of the wilderness. What about Elijah? Elijah. An intense time of preparation. What about John the Baptist? What about Paul? I mean, all of these people that we look to as heroes of the faith spent time with God in preparation for what they were going to proclaim. And it came before He sent them forth into the service, into into His work. See, we must not neglect the time of our spiritual training and preparation. If we're talking about discipleship, being a follower of Jesus, what does that look like? You can't just do it any old way you want to. There's a prescribed plan. We must know the gospel, it starts there. And as we spend time in God's Word and as we spend time with other believers, we recognize what God is doing and we can share the information that God has given us through His Word. The truth. See, it's only by allowing the Spirit of God to to sharpen and to hone us. Like someone who sharpens a knife on a steel. That day in and day out sharpening Helps us to, to have a cutting edge which God can use with His skillful hand. See, I say that when, when we when we spend time in the Word, we give the Holy Spirit something to work with. See, there's this prerequisite, but there's also the process. And this is the present event. He says... Those things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men. (laughs) Entrust or commit these to faithful men. Timothy was to uh, take what Paul had poured into his life and, and let it overflow into the lives of others. The idea is that if God has entrusted any truth from his word to you, If God has entrusted any truth of His Word to you, it's not to make you feel good. It's not to make you puffed up. It's not to keep to yourself. The reason that He gives us truth is so that we will share that with others. Keep in mind, verse 2 is built on the foundation of verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. To entrust God's truth to others, you must be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, with that foundation, He gives us three requirements if we want to be fruitful with for the Lord. I want to say this: if we're going to be fruitful, to be fruitful for Christ, you must in truth, you, excuse me, you must entrust the truth to fat people, faithful. Available, teachable. If you're faithful, God can use you. If you're available, God can use you. If you're teachable, God can use you. But if any one of those is missing, God can't use you. Faithful, available, and teachable. See, The word entrust there is a verb related to the noun that means a deposit. We know what that's all about, don't we? Because we bank. We know what a deposit is. We, we make a deposit in the bank and, and we hope that when we go back to the bank that our deposit will still be there. This word entrust, it refers to entrusting your valuable treasure to a trusted friend to guard for you during your absence. Hey, you know, we go on mission trips and things like that. And sometimes we have to take a break in the airport concourse. And so what we do is we ask someone in the group, Hey, would you mind watching my bag? I I need to go to the men's room. Hey, would you mind watching my bag? I need to go get a cup of coffee. What we're doing is we're entrusting what we have, our treasure, to someone else for A little time till we get back. I love this. Believers have entrusted their lives to Jesus Christ. Because we're convinced that he is able to guard what we give him. The deposit that we give him until the day of judgment. I mean, that's what verse 12 says. For this reason I also suffer these things, for I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We are sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the engagement that on that day we have been given and entrusted the Holy Spirit to us, so that on that day when we stand before Him, we will be given as the bride to Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture that, that, that He has entrusted us and we are entrusted to Him. And in turn, Christ entrusts His precious treasure to us the gospel. So that we will guard it with our lives. See, we must not compromise the truth of the gospel. Or we are unfaithful to guard the deposit. But not only are we to guard this deposit, we are also to hand it off and entrust it to faithful and available and teachable people. See, we are to entrust the truth to people who are faithful. And the word faithful there implies that people who are number one believers in Jesus Christ. That they are loyal and that they are reliable. I mean, we can't always judge accurately in advance who will prove to be faithful. You ever put your hope in someone? You ever trusted somebody and they let you down? Paul did too. If you look at verse um, 15, he says, You are aware of the fact that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are uh, Phagellus and Hermogenes. There's two people there. If you go over to chapter 4, verse 15, he also includes Demas. As people who were not faithful. People he had poured into. People he had given the baton to who went and sat down in the infield. It says Demas was you know, consumed by material possessions and so he, he left the faith. But you recognize that we, we, we don't always judge accurately who those faithful people are. But if you want to be fruitful, look for young believers who you can, who give evidence of being faithful and begin to entrust the great truths of the faith to them. Listen, those of us who have walked with the Lord many, many years have a tremendous opportunity to invest in others. Folks, those who pass the baton, those who invest the gospel in other people are powerful, powerful people. They influence people for the cause of Christ. They're not just living for themselves. They're not just consuming on their own lusts. They're, they're planting seeds of trees that they will never ever sit up under. They will never eat the fruit off of those trees, but other people will. And so that's why it's important that we find paper people who are faithful entrust the truth also to people who are available (laughs) this process of entrusting sound doctrine takes time it takes time to invest in other people what is it that Americans don't have much of it's time how do you spell love T-I-M-E. That's what we want. That's what people want. They want you to spend time with them. Because that communicates our love for them. Some people, as sincere as they might be, are just too busy with other things. In a society that, that um, loves to tell people how busy we are. Hey, Ridge, can you do this? Well, I'm busy. Can you go here? Can you share this? I'm busy. We all want to, it's like it's a badge of honor that we tell people how busy we are. Lest they think that we are lazy. So we go 90 to nothing and we do all of the urgent stuff, but we are doing nothing that is important. So we're led by the urgent. Well, I got to go here. I got to do that. You see, in some cases, their busyness is a matter of wrong priorities. They probably ought to be told that they need to seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness. They may not be interested. Sometimes, the ebb and flow of life come in. Sometimes it seems inescapably that we are busy maybe taking care of family, maybe chasing four kids and, and, you know, all of these things. I know my neighbor um, yesterday, um, I was out mowing my yard and I seen this lady come and she got in her SUV with four kids. I haven't seen her husband lately. I don't know where he's at. He might be deployed. He might be somewhere else. I don't know. But I was thinking to myself, there's a reason why her lawn hasn't been mowed. It's because she's just busy taking care of four kids. So I cut her grass. Folks, we need to understand we're all busy. We're all too busy. But we've got to be available. You can only work in passing the baton to those who make the time to get together and to study God's Word with you. They have to be available. I mean, think about it. If you're not available, God can't use you. You have to be available. Thirdly, I would say entrust the truth to people who are teachable. Now, Paul says these folks must be Able to teach others also. But understand this no one, absolutely no one, is able to teach well unless they are also teachable. I mean, if Timothy had not been willing to receive Paul's teaching, he would not have been qualified to teach others as well. (laughs) A know it all, someone who knows it all, or a stubborn, self-willed person who wants to argue or talks incessantly will not be able to teach others. We have to be humble enough to be teachable because people won't listen to someone who only wants to hear themselves. Being teachable means being willing to learn from other godly people and not claiming to have a corner on the truth. But of course it means that we are never have that never satisfied hunger, a hunger and thirst for God's Word, to know God and to understand His Word in deeper ways. And we never arrive spiritually in this world. We need one another. So to be fruitful for Christ... You need to be clear on sound doctrine and be able to entrust the truth to those who are faithful, available, and teachable. But notice the product. He says here, who will be able to teach others also. This is a future event. He's saying, what you've heard, do this now Entrust it to faithful men who will then in the future be able to teach others also. Here's the end product of this process that we've been going through called discipleship. And if it's done properly, it will raise up warriors for the faith who will go forth in the battle for the souls of men and women. They themselves will be involved in equipping still other faithful warriors for the conflict. You see, so the the process of spiritual reproduction and multiplication is set in motion A process that has the potential to fulfill the first command ever given to humanity. (laughs) Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The process is also key in fulfilling the last commandment given to believers before Christ's ascension when he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Notice there are four generations here. Paul didn't just say, See how many decisions for Christ you can get. That's not what he said. This is what Paul said. He said, Consider me the first generation. God saved me, and he gave me a world changing message. Consider yourself the second generation. You heard me talk about the Lord, and it has impacted your own life. So now you have what I have. You possess what I possess. Third, entrust this message to reliable men and women. Disciple them. Teach them to obey, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey all the things He has given us. And he said, and then have them to teach a fourth generation. Four generations in this one verse. So to apply this verse, as I wrap this up, you need to ask yourself a couple of questions. Who's my Paul? If you're a lady, it might be, who's my Pauline? In other words, who do you look to as a spiritual mentor? A word of caution here, don't just sit around with your spiritual umbilical cord in hand, waiting for somewhere to plug it in. Seek the Lord. Ask God to give you a spiritual mentor. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. Who is my Paul? Know who your Paul is. Second question, who are my Timothys? Who are the people that I'm pouring into? Who are those that I am um, you know, sharing this with, passing the baton to? I don't have a variation for a female Timothy, but you get the point. Titus 2 and 3 says that the older ladies are to teach the younger ones. If you've been a believer for at least a year or two... You should be looking for someone new in the faith that you can hand off God's truth that you've learned. Don't wait. Just start doing it. See, if you're involved in the lives of other believers, you want to help them to grow and to know the truth, and it helps you to grow yourself. One further word of caution. Don't opt for perfection Or nothing. Those aren't your choices. Sometimes we idealize this relationship between Paul and Timothy to the point that we can't even come close to it, and so we end up doing nothing at all. I mean, it's not perfect to meet with some guys for an hour or two a week, but it's better than doing nothing. Because there is an opportunity to share what God is teaching you. And God can tremendously use that in the lives of young believers. They're hungry for it. And many of you have so much to offer and you're keeping it bottled up. You're not sharing it with others. Get together regularly. Get into the Word. Pray for one another. Walk the journey together. Share together in the things of God. And He will use that in your life And mine to bear fruit for eternity in the lives of others. Every single generation has to be discipled. Every single generation. We're doing our best. Casey's back there discipling children right now. Jeff works with them each week and he's discipling these young people. Braden's working with college students, trying to disciple them. But we need people who have been around a while to help disciple. Your children need you discipling them in your home. We need people discipling others in the dorm. We need people discipling others at work. We need people discipling others in your home. If this is the only time you read God's word is on Sunday morning, you're going to starve to death. But understand as a believer, it's a privilege to receive the gospel of Christ, but we have a duty to pass it on. So let me encourage you with these quick three things and I'm done, I promise. Be a good model of Jesus Christ. Be a good model. Be intentional about it. Don't think that everybody's just going to get this by osmosis. It doesn't happen that way. We have to be taught what God's Word says. Second, entrust truth to reliable disciples. To those who are going to pass it on. To those who are going to do something with what you've given them. You might fall short once in a while. You might misjudge someone. You might say, Well, I thought they were going to be faithful, or I thought they were going to be available, or I thought they were going to be teachable. And you don't, nobody's batting a thousand. Dust your shoes off, find someone else to invest in. Lastly, I would say this minister for Christ in difficult times and places. Because you will reproduce what you are. Folks, that statement alone should cause us to look deep inside. Because the influence that I'm having on people is making them become exactly what I am. Sheep produce sheep. Goats produce goats. Be a good model of Jesus Christ. See, I challenge you to become a discipler today. To begin investing in other people's lives so that the kingdom of God would grow. So that we would see our spiritual grandchildren and great-grandchildren. What a blessing that will be. But folks, God is looking for willing hearts. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. What matters today is what you do from this point on. Because you have the opportunity and you've been told, it's been shared with you, what God's word says. So how about it? Will you commit to being a discipler? If you've never acknowledged Christ in your life, you need to do that. If you need a place to plug in, to be a part of the body of Christ, this is a good church. Whatever He's putting on your heart, I invite you to do that today. In just a moment, our worship team's going to come and they're going to lead us in another song. And as they do, this is your invitation to come and to commit whatever it is to the Lord Jesus. You're not committing it to me. You're not committing it. You're committing it to Him. And that's what matters. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And Father, I know that this is a very important part. You entrusted this truth to your disciples who were able to entrust it to others. And Father, I pray that we would not drop the ball, that we would not drop the baton on our leg of this journey, but Father, as believers in Jesus Christ, we would pass on the truth that we know to future generations, Father, that we would make it with intentionality, Father, that we would come to you in repentance, Father, that we would ask you to forgive us where we've failed God, that we would recognize that we need You every day, every step of the way to become what You created us to be for You and for Your glory. Your Word says, this is my Father's glory that You bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Oh, Father, may that be true of us. Father, that we would not Just get tired of it and go sit down in the infield and act like it doesn't matter. Father, I pray that we wouldn't let your kingdom down, that we wouldn't let the Lord Jesus down. Father, but that we would be faithful, that we would make ourselves available. Father, that we would remain teachable. Father, that as You put people in our path, we would see the opportunity to influence and to encourage them in their walk with You. Father, that we would proclaim very clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own homes first, in our own lives, but also in our church, in our work, in our school, Father, that we would be concerned about the things that You're concerned about. In Holy Spirit, I ask that You would elevate Jesus, King Jesus, in our hearts. Father, that we would want to bring glory and honor to Him. Because His name is exalted above all names. Because at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would make it so in our hearts and in our lives this very day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.